0: It's not going to come from me. It's going to come from some folks that we've invited to give their testimonies. I hope you have your Bible with you, or maybe you have your iPhone or your iPad. Um, I'm going to begin today by uh, sharing a few thoughts from Scripture before I invite some folks to the platform to join me and tell you a little bit about God's work in their lives. So if you have your Bible, I want to invite you to turn with me to the opening Scripture for the day, um, Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12. So, today is about testimony. It's about the power of the spoken word, about what God has done in our lives. Um, I begin this service today by asking you a question What has God done for you? Now, today, as we begin, I want to share four scriptures with you that I think share a little bit about the power of our testimonies, what God has done in our life. And the first one is from Revelation chapter 12. It's a picture of the end of the book, the end of time, uh, the moment when um, Satan is triumph and God does his victorious work forevermore. And if you've got Revelation chapter 12, I'm going to begin reading in verse 10. Listen to these words. John the Revelator wrote these words. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of His Christ. For the accuser of our brothers, who accuses them before our God day and night, has been hurled down. They overcame Him, watch this, by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and that they did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. It's a powerful scripture. I hope you've heard it before. Revelation chapter 11, they overcame him by what? The blood of the lamb, that is the cross of Calvary and the lamb sacrificing for us. The word of our testimony, literally our mouths opening up and telling about the redeeming work God has done for us and that they did not love their lives enough to shrink from death. That scripture from Revelation reminds us that there is power in your testimony. There is power in your words. There is power when you begin to tell somebody else about what God has done for you. Now, it's amazing power, evidently, because it ranks it right there next to the blood of Christ, right? The blood of the Lamb. So what, the, what, the, what this really helps us understand, guys, this is for every one of us. If you call yourself a believer, if you would say, you know what, I'm a Christ follower, I'm a believer then the byproduct of that means that you need to be telling folks about what you believe and how you have been redeemed. Telling other people what God has done for you is part of the Christian journey. It's part of the Christian mission. And if you're a Christ follower, you are supposed to be telling other people what God has done for you. I want to read for you Psalms 107, chapter 2. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. I guess I should have read that off the screen. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story, those he redeemed from the hand of the foe. So the command of Scripture is that you and I are supposed to be telling our story about what God has done in us. Today I'm going to invite two families that are kind of new to Harvest Point. Um, I have a team of people who help me prayerfully discern where God wants us to go months in advance, how how the Holy Spirit might be leading our body, teaching our body, molding and shaping us. And we thought, what a wonderful time in the middle of the summer, just to have a a time of testimony. I think today you're going to find so encouraging and so powerful that we might even do this again in the fall. We might have a time of testimony in the fall. We've invited two families to tell their stories. Now what you're going to find, when I heard their stories, what I found right away was their story was not my story. Their story was a lot different than my story. And the experiences they're going to share, can I just tell you, they're different from anything I would normally share from the pulpit. You know, I'm I'm the pastor. You've allowed me to be your your pastor, and and I get to preach every Sunday from God's Word. But most of the times I'm using illustrations or things that I've learned, most of the times stories from my life. But the folks who are going to share this morning, they've experienced some things that I've never experienced before. And how important it is for them to tell their story, their unique story. What about your story? Think about how your story is unique from the person just sitting right there at your elbow, you know? Your story is a unique story, and it deserves being told. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Look at this scripture, Acts 4.20. I like what the disciples said, the apostles, when they were commanded to stop talking about Jesus and the work he'd done. Listen to what they said. For we cannot but speak... As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. They basically said, we can't shut up. It's too good what God has done inside of us. We have got to share it. It's going to come out of us one way or the other. Guys, that's what I long for for our church. That's what I long for for you and for me that we have, God's done such a deep and awesome work in us that we cannot help but share and tell the story of what God has done. For us. By the way, whenever you tell the story of what God has done for you, it definitely does at least one thing, possibly two. It will encourage somebody else. Now, today, when these folks share their story, I bet you're going to be encouraged. I bet you're going to hear a little something in their story that might be around your story, and it might encourage you in some way or the other. I bet you will be strengthened or built up today just by listening to their story. But here's the cool thing. Did you know that as they come and tell their story, they're going to be encouraged? As they get to tell other people about what God's done inside of them, they are strengthened. So this is why it's so important for you to tell your story, your unique story of what God has done for you. Because not only are you encouraging somebody else, you are strengthening yourself. And then a final scripture that I want to share with you about this command to tell our story of what God has done for us. From Isaiah chapter 12, verse 4, thank the Lord. Praise His name. Tell the world about His wondrous love and how mighty He is. Thank the Lord. Praise His name and tell the world about His wondrous love and how mighty He is. I love that part of that that says, tell the world. Tell the world your story. I want you to think about this. If you don't tell your story, how will your story ever be told? If you stay quiet about what God's done in your world and for you and your family and for your life, who's going to tell it? See, nobody will tell that story but you. So it's really important for you to thank the Lord, praise Him, praise His name, and tell of His wondrous love and His mighty power in your life. Life. Here's a question I want to pose to you. I hope it sticks with you. I hope as you're listening to their story, you'll be thinking about this question. It simply is this What has the Lord done for you? We're going to put it up there. I hope we did. If not, you can type it in there. What has God done for you? What has God done for you? All right. Now, inside your worship guide, I ask you to take out your worship guides. Inside your worship guide, um, Right before I call these folks, I want you to open it up, and I want you to notice that on the right-hand section of your worship guide, there's a little perforated tear-off, okay? Now, we oftentimes use this for a connection piece, so when the offering comes around at the very end of the service today, you can let us know that maybe this is your first Sunday, or you've been here a few Sundays, or maybe you can say, hey, somebody did this last week. Somebody said, hey, I want to be baptized. And, and so we're able to start scheduling their baptism. We use this as a little connection piece. Now, I wish that we'd have had some foresight because... Um, I want to hear back from you if you want to tell your story. If God, as you listen to their stories, prompts you and you want to have a moment to maybe share your story, maybe on the very back of that little connection card, right above where it says Wi-Fi, you see that? Right above. If you just want to jot your email down, if should you be prompted of the Holy Spirit that you say, hey, I'd love to tell my story. I have a story that I want to share. Jot that down. We'll be in touch with you, Okay. Hey, our first couple we're going to hear from this morning are, are kind of new to our church. They started worshiping us when we came to our new building here uh, just a little more than a year ago, and I want to welcome them to the platform and invite you to welcome them as well, Wayne and Geraldine Memler. Would y'all come forward? Now, as Wayne and Geraldine come forward, I'm going to do a real quick commercial, Okay. Um, Wayne and Geraldine are part of a pretty special group here at Harvest Point that meet on Tuesdays, and they're called Prime Timers. Okay, Prime Time, and the Prime Time group um, is an elite group. You have to be of a certain age, I guess. Way old. <laughs> way old. What is way old? Uh, 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 be careful. Um, so, so, uh, prime timers is a group of folks that are, you know, older than 50 or 55 or 60 or something like that. And, uh, they meet on Tuesdays and they're not meeting in the summer, but they're going to meet in the fall. They'll start back meeting, meeting again in the fall. And they have a blast together. They not only get to study God's Word for a couple of hours, they go to lunch together. And so if you fit in that age group, we'd love to have you come and be a part of that. Wayne is actually going to be leading that for us in the fall. I'm sure he'll have a little help from some other folks as well. So thank you, Wayne, for stepping into that. And thank you today for sharing y'all's story of what God's done in your life. Go at it. <laughs> uh,
1: this is scary. Steve uh, asked us to do this, and it's scary. So anyway, I'd like to start with uh, just a little m- bit of my history. I'm from Sacramento, California, originally. It's where I grew up and so forth. And as growing, as I was growing up, my father was a very stern disciplinarian, an old German <laughs> guy. And uh, I always was in fear of him. He never expressed love to his family at all and that might have been a result from things he went through I don't know but I never felt that he loved me or the primary thing I was concerned about was somehow earning his approval and his love and I never felt like I did but even as a young child near my grammar school there was a little Lutheran church and I felt drawn to go to church we never did as a family so I would walk down to this church every Sunday, and that was in the day when a 10-year-old could safely walk the streets by himself, and uh, had always felt this drawing of, of God. Um, got married at 20 years old under circumstances that weren't the best. We had four children. We lost one at a year of age, which is a very traumatic thing to go through, and we saw God moving. We tried to keep our kids in church and in a godly atmosphere as best we could, and we saw God moving and so forth. But I was never able to relate to, to God as a loving father, because I didn't have a loving father. So I always saw God the Father as a stern, judgmental, punishing figure in my life. And had Jesus as my Savior, but saw it as two entirely different personalities. And so, trying to raise our kids as best we could. I vowed I was never going to raise my kids like my dad raised his. I didn't want any part of that. So, anyway... um, through Many jobs and so forth, supporting the family. I got a job in a retail store and met a, a young lady that captured my heart. Um, I wasn't about to leave my family, that just wasn't even a, a question, it wasn't even um, a possibility in my mind. So Anyway, at one point, um, through circumstances that I won't get into here, we moved away and left that young lady behind. And I left my wife.
2: I think we can all agree that hindsight's 2020. And as I sit here today and look back at my life, I realize I've been truly blessed, but I didn't always think that way. My impression of God was someone who dealt out punishment I was from a family of five. I have two brothers, one older, one younger, and my parents were alcoholics. My mother was verbally abusive. She could cut us down to shreds with her words. My dad, on the other hand, was explosive, very violent. Um, He would beat us, and I'm not talking spankings, I'm talking beatings with whatever he could get his hands on. His favorite was a switch from a tree, but he also used broom handles, garden hoses, his fist, and if that didn't work, he would kick us. This was the story of my life for the first 18 years. When I was 18, I met Wayne, the first person in my life who was gentle and kind and caring, had a great sense of humor and loved to laugh. How could I not fall in love with him? but as he said, he was married. So that was another thing that I felt that I was being punished for. I remember as a little girl singing in in Sunday school, Jesus loves the little children. Why didn't he love me? What had I done that was so bad that my parents hated me, God hated me, everybody hated me? So I kind of developed a defeatist attitude. Because I was the only girl, my parents agreed to wait until I got married before they got their divorce. So I got married. I was 20. He was 23. Big flag here. I was his third wife. We were married three weeks when I got my first, when he hit me the first time. They only got more frequent and more violent. But I stayed because I felt God was punishing me Because I used him. After 23 months, I figured I better get out of here if I want to live. I uh, married my second husband, who was good-looking and very confident, and I was drawn to that. And found out too soon that he was a narcissistic alcoholic with control issues. But I was resolved that my life wasn't going to be a happy life, and he didn't hit me, so... That was fine. We spent 33 years together. We moved, after I retired, we moved to a little community in Oregon called Richland, which is right on the Idaho border in Hell's Canyon. This is where I met God. If I could paint a little picture briefly, from our porch was this humongous pasture. On the very back end of it were the hills that separated us from the other community halfway. To the right of us was the Idaho Mountains. I think they're Devil Sisters is what they were called. To the left was the Wallowa Mountains. This is the most beautiful place in the world. And as I sat there and just admired the beauty, it's dawned on me that God created all of this. And there was uh, something about the air there that was just so very, very peaceful. So I started talking to God and he started talking to me, and I could feel my heart change. It was the most wonderful feeling in the world. I'll take it back to you.
1: <laughs> so, um, our kids are growing up at this point. They're uh, raising their own families. And my wife one day said, I want a divorce. And I thought, okay, okay. Uh, I certainly was not in a place where I wanted to stay with somebody that didn't want to stay with me, so we got a divorce. And then I kept thinking back to this young lady that captured my heart and thinking, you know, I'm gonna see if I can get a hold of her. I don't know where she is. But the internet is a wonderful thing. (laughs) So I got on the found out where she was, basically. And got on the phone and got her answering machine. I left a little message and thought, waited and waited. Several weeks passed. I thought, okay, we'll just move on. So we moved on.
2: One thing with my cell phone, it was uh, my noose from my husband and how he could control me. Going to the grocery store was a 45-mile trek from this little community. And I hated that cell phone because he always bugged me with it, so I never checked it. Well, this one particular day, I'm waiting for my cousin. She's in shopping, and I thought, well, I better check and see if I need to bring home anything from the store, and there's a message. Immediately, I'm just dreading what it's going to say, but I hear this voice that comes from my past. My heart stopped. I couldn't breathe, and I tell you, even though it was 40 years, nothing passed between the two of us. It was like we just picked up. We communicated every day since on the computer, on the phones. It was just wonderful. When he asked me to come to Georgia, I was already packed.
1: <laughs> the odd part is we both have the same twisted sense of humor. We finish each other's sentences. When we talk about what our mothers cooked, it's the same food. We grew up on the same food. And our fathers even worked in the same place. It was a big Air Force base in Sacramento. Anyway, the coincidences are just too numerous to mention. But through it all, and particularly recently, um, there's a scripture that's been very meaningful to me. And that's the parable the prodigal son. Excuse me, bear with me, hope I can get through this, because it gets me every time. But the son left the father to do his own thing and basically ruined himself and had this big speech prepared to go back to his father because even the hired help of his father provided for. So I started out toward the father And the father saw him, didn't wait for the son to get there. He ran to his son and embraced him. That's the picture of the father as father should be. If you grew up with a godly father, as Stephen did, I know you are very blessed. But we all have a father that says, I Love
2: you
0: Would you thank these guys for sharing their story? <laughs> Just hang with you. Hang with me. I love to hear stories like this, because it's not my story. When I sat across the table at a little chick-fil-A with Wayne and Geraldine, and they told me about having fathers who never loved them or even fathers who abused them in such a horrible way, and how that affected their view of God, and even caused some of the journey, the wayward journey that they had, like that prodigal son. My heart was touched because it's a reminder that no matter how we zig, no matter how we zag, and by the way, some of us zig big and zag big, some of us a little bit less, but we all go our own way, right? Romans says every one of us has gone our own way his grace is still there for us. Wayne, I want to tell you a little story that I don't know if you've ever heard before. One of my best friends, um, his father was dying and um, he went back home. He didn't live at home. He went back home because he wanted to plant his dad's garden for him. He knew it was probably the last time that they'd be able to plant a garden. And his dad was on oxygen and he couldn't walk even. And so they rolled the wheelchair out there and my friend began to put the rows in place for the corn, and he began to till the soil, and then he began to plant the corn that was there, and he said he stepped back, and he was standing right next to his his dad's wheelchair, and he said he looked down that row, and he said it was the most crooked row you'd ever (laughs) see. and he said he was so embarrassed and so ashamed because he knew that he was his father's son, but he couldn't plant a garden like his father did. And he said he leaned over and he looked at his daddy, who he knew could see those crooked rows. And he said to his dad, he said, Dad, I'm so sorry. That row is so crooked. I know that's not like what you would have done. And his dad, who had hardly even ever said some nice things to him, said what I believe to be one of the most graceful things that I've never forgotten. His dad looked at him and said, Son, you can plant more corn in a crooked row than you can a straight (laughs) one." Did did you get that? You can plant more corn in a crooked row than you can a straight one. That was a message of grace. Every one of us have gone our own way, but I'm so thankful for that father who comes after us and runs (laughs) after us. Right? And his grace much more abounds. I thank you all for telling your story. I thank you for encouraging our body, and I want to pray for you before you go. Father, I thank you for Wayne, and I thank you for Geraldine, and I just pray a blessing over their marriage. I know they encourage each other steadfastly. I thank you that you have given to Geraldine a man who is good and kind and loves her so much, and I pray that, Lord, you would bless their ministry in our church as they seek to uh, point their way, uh, point the way to you, Jesus, so that you can lead every one of us, and you can be our good and perfect and holy heavenly Father. We thank you for that. To you be the glory. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you all so much. Now I want to invite another couple to come and join us. Thank you. I'm going to invite Mark and Susan Butler. Would you all come forward? Now Mark and Susan are going to share their testimony from the main floor because Susan had foot surgery this week. Uh, She had a whole bunch of stuff done to her toes. Uh, by the way, I'll get back to Susan in just a minute. I'm going to let you all grab a seat right there. Uh, while we're going there, let me just mention to you real quickly, many of you know Tom and Lisa Brooks, right? Yes. Tom, uh, hopefully you're, on, you're, you're in, our, in our e-newsletter and you had a chance to hear the news. Tom Brooks, one of our technology guys, Lisa Brooks, who is our finance lead, uh, Tom had open-heart surgery this week, very unexpectedly. He went in for a heart cath on Monday, and then on Wednesday we went in for a quadruple oh, yeah. bypass. But Tom is well. He's really well, yeah. (laughs) Tom walked back and forth up the hallway yesterday. He wishes he could have been here this Sunday. I'm sure he probably will be here next Sunday. Thank you for your prayers for Tom. Um, Now we don't have to worry about things like the Widowmaker and other things. He is healthy and strong. Susan and Mark are kind of new to our church, been here for a good little while now. But I wanted them to share a little bit of their story. Now, Susan had foot surgery this week. Mark, you want to tell everybody why she had to have foot surgery? Do you remember? Yeah, put it all the way up, though. Uh, she had foot surgery because she kicked me, is that right? <laughs> uh, but, uh, but it was fun, though, and uh, she's, she's been through a heck of a time with this foot surgery. And uh, the week prior to that, she had uh, right. hernia surgery. That's right. So, she did it all at one time. Susan hurt her foot kickboxing, for real. Don't mess with Susan Butler. Yeah. I want to get all those surgeries out of the way before football (laughs) season started. (laughs) I asked these guys to share their testimony, and I'm very aware, and and I don't know if you've heard the story of Mark and what happened to him. How long ago, Mark? Six years ago. Six
1: years. Six years ago. Six years. Well, six years in August. September.
0: September. (laughs) September.
1: I was dead. I don't remember.
0: <laughs> yeah. So Mark had an incredible story, uh, literally about dying and, um, suddenly and, and yet being saved and God doing a miraculous work. When I, when I invited these folks to share their story, I knew that there's a lot more stories than that. And so they looked at me and, uh, I remember Mark was the one. Mark said, well, what story you want us to share? And I said, Mark, I don't care. I said, this is your chance for you to testify to what God has done in your life. And I said, I just want you guys as a couple to pray about that and decide what you would share together. And so...
1: And I'm going to let Susan do all the talking because we'd never get finished if I had to talk. (laughs) Because I'd be like cry what (laughs) I.
0: All right.
3: Thank you. First of all, I want to say, uh, say thank you for the prayers and the calls and the text and things during my... Surgeries and recovery, it truly means a lot to um, be in a church where people truly care and reach out to you and love on you, and, and I thank you all very much for that. Um, Mark and I started coming to Harvest Point uh, in 2015, and we really, really, really love being here. Um, we uh, the, the very first day we came, it was like we were home and we knew it. Amen. Um, We've known each other since we were 11. We grew up in Forest Park, and this year we'll be married 26 years. We have four children and ten grandchildren, nine boys and one girl. And everybody says, well, I bet she's spoiled rotten. Well, they all are spoiled rotten. So, But we enjoy doing that so much. <laughs> Most of you have heard the testimony of Mark um, and God's goodness to us during his sudden cardiac death episode in the fall of 2010. Um, The fact that more than once the doctors told us to take him off life support, that he would never survive, and if he did, he'd be a vegetable. Well, prayers and God's healing mercy prevailed, and today Mark is whole and healthy, and a testament to the fulfillment of God's great plan for our lives. From this, I learned a couple of things. Doctors do not know everything, <laughs> and prayers move the hand of God. And there were people all over the United States, probably all over the world, praying for him during those 27 days that we were there. And um, even the doctors and nurses—one of the nurses referred to Mark as their miracle. She she just kept saying, I, "I've just never seen anybody recover from something this traumatic before." So, anyhow, God is good. When our children were four and five, or in K4 and K5, um, they were going to school and they were learning the letters of the alphabet. And the way they learned the letters of the alphabet was they would learn A, and then they would learn a scripture, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. Or B, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved, Acts 16.31. Well, I tell you that to tell you that I want to share with you today the ABCs of our testimony. A, accidents, car accidents, some minor, some serious, in fact, vehicular homicide serious, and accidents that were sometimes more of an oops. B, babies. Sometimes the oops means there's a baby on the way and there's not been a wedding yet. When this happened, we weren't overjoyed. However, we knew Psalm 139, 13 through 16, where God said, I created you For you created me in my innermost, I'm sorry, for you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, I know that full well. My frame was not hidden for you when I was in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Children. See, they're a gift from God, but grandchildren, they are truly the greatest gift from God. Because we're a blended family, many folks will say, is that your daughter or is that Mark's daughter? And I know they mean biologically, but we've been together for the majority of their lives and so that doesn't really play into it for us. Not being biologically related does not make you any less of a parent. Being a real parent isn't in the DNA, but it's in your heart. Our grandchildren, man, God really did a work there. Some of my biological grandchildren look way more like Mark than like me, and vice versa. And so God's really blended us all together. D, decisions. Thankfully, all of our children have accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, and our grandchildren, who are old enough to understand, have made the same decisions and followed by baptism. E, education. We're very thankful that our children completed the level of education, higher education, that was suited for them. We've got grandchildren with hopes of college and potentially athletic scholarships. We're hopeful that those athletic scholarships come through because, as you all know, college gets more and more expensive all the time. F, family. Family is so important to us. Uh, My parents are 81 and 77 and are very healthy and we spend a lot of time with my parents and with my siblings and with our children and with our grandchildren and we love to all be together. G, grief. Unfortunately, Mark's parents passed away, his dad when he was 13 and his mom 10 years ago next month and we still miss them both and talk about them all the time so much. H, health. Health. We are so thankful for our health and the health of our family, and God has blessed us abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine. And the fact that Mark is still now so whole and healthy after his episode is definitely a testament to God's goodness to us. Uh, Incarceration. Unfortunately, our families dealt with having a member incarcerated. It's not an easy thing to deal with for the one in jail or for the one left at home. Your life changes for the entire time that they're away. You wait at home for telephone calls, you drive to the location for every opportunity to visit, and you pray for them and those who were touched by the situation that caused the incarceration. J, jobs. Thankfully, God has blessed all of our children and their spouses with great jobs with wonderful companies. Mark has owned Butler Fasteners for almost 30 years and I work in government. And if you know anything about owning a small business, to remain a small business owner for 30 years um, is no small feat. K, kindness. Mark and I have strived to teach our children to be good, moral, mannerly people, and now we watch as they teach their children the same. Yes, ma'am and no, sir, are important to us, and we want that respect and kindness to re- reflect from us onto our family. L, Love. We serve a great big God who loves us more than we can ever fathom. His love was so great that he sent his only son to die for my, our sins. My responsibility is to love my husband, my family, my friends, and even my enemies. John 13, 34 and 35 says, A new command I give you, love one another as I've loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciple if you love one another. M, miscarriage. Unfortunately, two of our daughters had miscarriages. Unless you've been a part of this painful journey, uh, you're hard-pressed to understand the physical, mental, and emotional toll that it takes on a female. Helpless, hopeless, wondering what did I do or didn't do that could have saved this baby. It's devastating for the entire family in NICU. We had a grandson who was born and immediately rushed into the NICU. He was three days old before his mom got to hold him for the first time. He stayed in the hospital from his birthday December 20th until December 31st, and he was our blessing for the new year. And today he's a strong young man, turning 13 this year, a great baseball player and a wrestler. God is so good. Oh, opportunities. Through our life, God has given us many opportunities to serve in local churches. Some we attended for only a season, and others we attended for almost 18 years. We love being a part of a community of Christ followers who are forward-thinking and seeking new ways to bring the lost to Christ. We love being here at Harvest Point. Prayer. Of all the things I've described to you in these first few letters, they were all covered with prayer. Some were easy prayers, and some were those prayers in the war room. Some were prayers standing around a hospital bed or in a waiting room at a prison. Some were crying, calling out to God, pleading prayers, but many, many were prayers of thankfulness and thanksgiving for God's great provision, mercy, and love for us, showing His grace over and over and never failing to show up at just the right time. Questions? Q. Many things have happened in our life that we don't fully understand. We have questions. And maybe on this side of heaven, we'll eventually get the answers. But even though we don't understand or know all the whys, we know and understand. We serve a sovereign God who has our best interest in mind when things happen. Our reality. The reality is we're here for just a short time. James 4.14 says, why, you don't even know what holds tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then you've vanished. We have to get busy with the work of the Lord, leading our families, reaching out to lost loved ones, loving the unlovely, those who are different from us. We need to be in prayer for this nation, this state, this community, and the upcoming election. S, spiritual warfare. After seeing warmer, War Room listening to Pastor Stephen's sermon series and doing the purposely plugged-in Wednesday night study, I became keenly aware of the need for fighting for my family, friends, and loved ones in a spiritual way. When I feel the Spirit urging me to pray for my war room, I become like a mother lion protecting her cubs. The Spirit and I go into battle over marriages, children, and our children's friends, habits and strongholds, and anything else that I know the deceiver is trying to bring onto our family. T, Tragedy. Through our lives, we felt the impact of tragedy, but we are both of the opinion that God never wastes a tragedy. Something good will eventually come out of it. You, unshakable. The definition of unshakable is marked by firm determination or resolution. Firm, steadfast, steady, stiff, unbendable, unfaltering, unwavering, resolute. It is the prayer of Mark and I that when we stand before God, he will say that our walk with him that in our walk with him, we were unshakable. V and W, valley and wilderness. During our life together, we've spent time in the valley, in the wilderness, and on the mountaintop. God has been compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness to us. X. You know, there's not many words that go with X <laughs> except X-ray, so I altered it a little bit, and it's x Hebrew 1024 said and let us consider how we may excite one another on toward love and good deeds that is what we are what we want to do here to join arms and love and serve god together with enthusiasm and excitement with the folks of harvest point why yield job 22:21 says yield now and be at peace with him thereby good will come your way yield means to give way to arguments demands and pressure elizabeth elliot Um, the missionary, tells of two adventurers who stopped by to see her, all loaded with equipment for the rainforest east of the Andes. They sought no advice, just a few phrases to to converse with the Indians. So she writes, Sometimes we come to God as the two adventurers came to me, confident and we think well-informed and well-equipped. But has it occurred to us that with all of our accumulation of stuff, something is missing? We may think we know where we're going, but we must never be too prideful to yield to the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. While this simple act does show, in de- show dependence on God, it does not show us to be weak, but rather strengthen in a way that others are not. Our prayer is that we won't be so bogged down with accumulations and stuff and miss the most important part, being yielded to God and the Holy Spirit. Listening for that still small voice that guides and directs our path, we, as parents and grandparents, must be good examples for our children and our grandchildren. Z, zeal. The Lord will march out like a champion, like a warrior. He will stir up his zeal, and with a shout, he will raise the battle cry and with trium- will triumph over his enemies. Isaiah 42, 31. These are the ABCs of our testimony. God is our Alpha and our Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords and the mighty God. He is the Prince of Peace, and He is a merciful, holy, and gracious God, and He is our Lord and Savior. And for that, we are very thankful. Thank you.
1: Amen.
0: Amen. I'm so thankful for Emmanuel. I hear that story, and I know some of those bullet points inside those stories. And how God's there for us at every turn, every valley, every wilderness, every mountaintop. He's with us. Would you pray with me over this Butler family? Father, I thank you for this family. And I just thank you how you have held them through their toughest of moments. And how you're still holding them today. Because all of it is still not resolved today. They're still in some places walking through places where they're trusting and trusting and trusting for your provision. And your grace, and we just pray, God, for the children and the grandchildren, and the and the legacy that Susan and Mark are trying to leave on this world, that they would leave Christ followers who have a great testimony of their own, of how you have moved in their life. And Father, as we hear Mark and Susan's story, I am reminded that we're going to go. You told us we're going to go through tribulation. We're going to go through trouble. But that you have overcome the world and that you are here with us and within us. And your power is at our disposal. I thank you, God, for the grace and the power that is all over Mark and Susan's story. And Lord, I pray for the person who's sitting here today who may be going through the greatest of all their wildernesses. I pray that you would be their power today, that they would cry out to you and you would be Emmanuel, the God who is with them right now in the middle of their valley or their wilderness. And I thank you, God, that in those moments when we put our foot down deep as we can, we will find a rock. And that rock is you, Jesus. We know you are with us. Lord, I pray for every person here in this place today because we all have a story. And we also all have people in our world who need to hear our story, who need to hear the redeeming work you've done for us. So God, give us courage and boldness. Give us insight. Help us to speak and and, and, uh, tell our story about what you've done for us. I pray you'd help us do that in our our homes, in our neighborhoods. I pray you'd help us do that in our church. I pray you'd help us do that in our workplaces, God. Help us to be bold. Give us boldness. We want to be like the apostle in that passage from Acts that says, we cannot help but tell what we have seen and what we have heard and what you have done in our lives. I pray that over us, Lord. I pray that over this body. Lord, in the next few minutes, as we give to your kingdom gain, we pray that you would take our our gifts, our offering, our tithes, and that you would spread them far beyond this church. That like seed, God, we would place them in your hand and you would scatter them. So more and more, Jesus, of what you're doing in, in establishing your kingdom on this planet would come to pass. And we pray, Lord, that as we give, Your kingdom would come, and Your will would be done through our gifts. Receive our gifts, Lord, as generous offerings to You now. In the strong and mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, church. Amen. Amen. Thank you for sharing.